0: reading in church a proud partner with audible.com previously on reading in church
1: and other distractions i'm reading a book by amy jill levine um, her misunderstood Jew. Have you? Oh have no! You seen that text?
0: No, but ever since I saw her at, at ARSBL, I, it's just like I, I got to read more of her stuff. I've yeah, I've
1: seen her present before, and she's always impressive. I mean, you know, she's she's impressive. Yeah, but um, she writes really well. I can and the imagine book, the book that I got is called A Misunderstood Jew, um, which by the way, I do have to share this. Uh, <laughs> so okay. I ordered it from Amazon. I do have a uh, Amazon Echo. Uh, which will give me notifications occasionally and i had a notification <laughs> and i said um and i said oh uh, alexa what is my notification and she said a misunderstood jew has arrived
0: <laughs> that is good thought, wow well okay that's good to know that that could be a title for the asc- the ascension the resurrection and ascension <laughs> it really
1: it really isn't bad but yeah, but what what
0: Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike.
1: Welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. I'm Michael McKeever. And these are the readings for April 14th, 2019. We decided to do the uh, Liturgy of the Passion. So, um, although I I suppose we could have done the Palms, and it just would have been a really short podcast, and people might have been grateful for that. Uh, That's true. (laughs) But but instead... We've opted for the passion. So we've got our four readings, Isaiah 50, 4 through 9a, uh, Psalm 31, 9 to 16, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, which I will do as many times as the lectionary wants to put it in, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Uh, That's a great passage. And then... uh, The shorter Luke Luke could read. The shortest passion reading, Luke 23, 1 to 49. Which we should probably
0: start reading now if we're going to get this in. (laughs) Just have it
1: going in the background while we're talking <laughs> yeah. about other things. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So I uh, hope that you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Um, several of you have sent emails and messages, ah, and we're grateful right. for that uh, That conversation and uh, some of your kind words. Uh, I'm just going to pretend all of them were kind words, and uh, we're grateful for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that's been good. Um. Anything that we need to talk about, Mike? Anything interesting happening?
0: Well, I was going to read one of the uh, one of the emails. Oh, yes. It's like I may get this right. I mean, how many U's there are here? I'm going to pronounce this right, so I want to get count these out. Well, I'll just try to say it. Dude <laughs> duties." I love <laughs> your podcast, dudes. I think the extra E's are just because they're felt to balance out all the U's. But uh, that's the shortest and maybe the best review we have.
1: That's nice. I mean, you know, sometimes people are able to put things so succinctly. It's it's helpful. <laughs> it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it also about, gives us a sense of the demographic of our favorite listeners. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Anthony Spicoli in uh, Surf Town. Yeah, from from, uh, from uh, was wow, it Ridgemont? That is, <laughs> that's, that is a
1: dig that's,
0: dig deep there, dig boy. Deep, that's, yeah, Richmond, <laughs> Richmond dive. Yeah, I know from uh, Jed in Texas. So, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see, I guess we had a question online about uh, some books. I re- a book I referred to last week from Sandra Snyder's. Um, they asked which books I was talking about. The one I was—because I, I read from it, right? I read right, a paragraph. Right. Yeah, this is one, uh, probably one of her most access- accessible ones, called Written That You May Believe Encountering Jesus in the Fourth Gospel. Um, yeah, so that's that's more of a— Passage by passage, just not a complete no. commentary, but it is a uh, it's an excellent uh, commentary on selective texts in John. Another one I look at a lot is uh, the revelatory text uh, reading. Um, uh, what is it? I have got it here. Mm-hmm. The revelatory text interpreting, interpreting the New Testament as sacred scripture. She's got quite a sophisticated hermeneutic. It's very mm. sacramental sort of approach. So I like that. Yeah, no, it is. I need to take another run at it. It's it's quite something.
1: I always I always talked about uh, Brevard Child's approach as a, um, you know, he was canonical, but I always called it a scripture text eminent approach. That that was it was text eminent, but it also never escaped the notion of it being scripture. So it was yeah. It was, mm-hmm. That was that was all very important in his interpretation, right? Which is interesting because he was not appreciated much in his New Testament for his New Testament work. His Old Testament work has been celebrated, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his introduction to the New Testament as canon was not uh, particularly well received in New Testament circles. So
0: right, I, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I don't, I, I don't know. I've never read it, so yeah. I don't
0: <laughs> know how to evaluate. I, I it. have it. I've probably glanced at it, but it might just be the the vocabulary or something. Yeah,
1: his his introduction to the Old Testament as can or see introduction to the Old Testament as scripture. Mm-hmm. It's a, about a three inch black you know that tome. Yeah. It it was still a a, a first port a call for me. I mean, it was dated. It was 1979, obviously. So it's it's dated, but it was still a really good place to go uh, for a pretty good bibliography and, and good interpretation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I guess you and I both have those sympathies toward those people who are, who like taking the text, you know, as a text, right, um, as right. opposed to atomizing it into, uh, into all of that.
0: Yeah. Now I've heard is, I think when I was maybe doing my PhD, people were Referring to his Exodus commentary as oh, yes. the, the example, you know, of, yeah, his, of his approach. Of, of his work. Know. It's yeah. a fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic uh, volume.
1: Mm-hmm. He does, his his was good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, it's interesting, he never went to, he just rarely went to the national meetings. So that I think yeah. that also kind of hurt him because people felt like he was not really subjecting his work to peer review or taking comments. But I don't know. You yes. know, people <laughs> having gone to
0: the reviews, having yeah. gone to the meetings, it's like, like it's vicious, and it I, is I, I have no appetite for that myself uh, right, exactly. Certain groups I've been in exactly,
1: so <laughs> uh you know academics <laughs> I Am totally, I right?
0: <laughs> totally,
1: totally get where he's coming from. yeah, he just passed away, I think it was 2013 uh, a few years ago he was ninety 90 something mm. uh, so old and full of years, okay. Um, he died. So well, that's
0: because he didn't go to the meetings. <laughs> that's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> it takes years off. Wait your life. Minute, I'm starting. I'm starting to think you may be a connection. <laughs> you might be onto something. Wow. Oh. Anyway, so his work on the Psalms was helpful for me. Um, I mean, it was I, I probably I mean, I'm a canonical scholar and I probably tend more toward childs than I do Sanders because there's two kinds of canonical scholars. There's the James Sanders who have a great deal of respect for and love his stuff, too. But my methodology probably trended more toward Brevard Child's looking at the text as a whole as opposed to Sanders looking at the process of canonization.
0: So, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. That's sort of me. Which is also a fascinating thing. But
0: uh, you know, without without ever reading it as canon. We're just gonna yeah, talk right. about
1: it. Right. That's true too. That's true too. <laughs> breaking do the that.
0: breaking the binding here. No, we're not gonna read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I emailed you right. an epistle I received from uh, Yes, From a prison epistle, as it turned out. The, it is actually a prison epistle. <laughs> it's a prison epistle. Someone uh, in, incarcerated, not on Patmos, but it was sent uh, with. Uh, I think it solves. It's in very tiny print. It's, it's probably hard for you to read. It's hard if you've got a hard copy in your hand. But he, I think he solves seven mysteries of uh, Revelation of the Book of Revelation. Not yeah. that anyone was asking. Yeah. That that he found, it's yes. an incredibly tiny print. There's a. I just I just want to read the address because it's pretty cool. All right, this is the great thing about working in a Bible and theology department. And uh, what, if it's not directed to you, your colleagues will hand it to you. We'll teach, hand it to you That's right. if you teach the Revelation course. So this says state prison generated ma- <laughs> generated mail. That's this is a standard uh, envelope, evidently, and uh, written in all caps, urgent. Exclamation mark, very hot, and then warning, sure. warning, exclamation mark, to all the faithful elect in Jesus Christ worldwide. .com, .gov, <laughs> org, .org. let <laughs> Let's cover all the address. It's amazing that it got to our mailbox. It's uh, oh, like we amazing. get to everyone's mailbox. Also, friends, families, alumni, all departments of theologians, scholars, students, servants, prophets, and saints.edu, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Universities and all churches. <laughs> and mm. then it has tiny, tiny, tiny scripts that's solving some what appear to be mathematical problems in Revelation. So Is I,
1: there a lot of math in Revelation? Uh, I you know, I don't
0: recall there being as much as there yeah. I I guess if you're gonna, you know, uh solve these mysteries, you gotta do the math. So
1: I guess. Wow.
0: I just wow. I just ran this off and handed it to my students and I said, this is why why do we read this book this way? You know, a, yeah. It's very
1: interesting. That's great. Yeah. That is
0: awesome. But if you got the time, I guess you can work well, out these things. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that was I thought I'd try to get the revelation reference in under, under yeah, the ten minute mark. So nice
1: job. You did it. You yeah, did it. Right. Uh, let, <laughs> let's do the Isaiah passage. How about that?
0: All right. Let me find my text here. It's hidden amidst all the Luke. There it is. Okay. All right. Isaiah 43, 16 to 21. No, no,
1: no, no, nope. no, no, no. <laughs> Too far. Isaiah, Isaiah 50.
0: Uh, okay. Just seeing if you're awake. Isaiah 50, Hi. 4 to 9a. That's correct. Ah, uh, but mine, mine always has the whole thing. So it's funny that they have that. After
1: guilty. Stop after okay. guilty. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will declare me guilty. Who will declare me guilty? There all, you go. All of that's oh, it. oh, stop there. Okay.
1: That's it. Yeah, that that's the end of the reading today. Okay. So yeah. So, um, what's the rest of the verse? Cause I don't have it on mine. I'm All of
0: them now. will, will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up.
1: Why don't we want to read that?
0: I don't know. Maybe okay. ending end with a question was strong or something.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I, I just, I didn't think that was a particularly bad ending. Uh, that was nice. Anyway, uh, mm. <laughs> interesting choice. Yeah. Um, this is our, uh, third of the servant songs. Um, We've talked about the servant songs before. There are four of them in the second part of Isaiah. Uh, these are individual songs that mention the servant. Uh, 42 verses 1 through 4, 49 verses 1 through 6, uh, 50 verses 4 through 9, and then the longest one is uh, 52, 13 through 53, 12.
0: And then the fifth one's in Philippians 2, 16, <laughs> 11. <laughs> I
1: guess it is, oh. technically. Um The servant, the the servant, people have all sorts of fun with the servant. The servant, let me tell you what we know about the servant. The servant's chosen by God and is going to bring justice to the nations. Um, The servant is not just to go to Israel. The servant is going to be called Mm. to go to all of the nations of the earth. Um, The servant is initially unsuccessful and and, uh, suffered violence as we see some of it here. Mm -hmm. Um, but in spite of suffering, violence is going to, to hold on to the nearness of God. And, uh, it's interesting because in this, this is not exactly, it's not exactly a lament, or I guess if it is a lament, it's a lament with no petition. The, the, the servant is not asking God to deliver him here. He's just stating the mm. fact. This is what mm-hmm. happened, and there's a sense of resilience. Yeah, uh, And that, I think that's that clinging to, this is the mission that God has put me on, and I'm not letting go of it. Um, people have witnessed the servant's disfigurement and assumed it was because the servant was being punished by God. Obviously, that was the natural assumption, right? Mm. If God is strong mm. enough to do something about it, God would have done something about it. Okay. Um, but the people come to realize that the servant was not suffering because of his own sins, but he was suffering for the sins of the people. Yeah. And so, uh, ultimately that, that sense of vicarious suffering is, is, is redeemed uh, as redemptive, uh, at the, in the end of the servant. Um, it's pretty obvious. Well, it's pretty obvious why we talk about it during passion week, but it's also, I think this is one of those chicken and egg situations um, I think it's fair to say the gospel writers told the story of the passion with the servant songs in mind. Oh, yeah. And so it's, you know, you gotta be, I don't know, I don't wanna say you gotta be careful, but it's, in some levels, you do have to be careful. The way people read these, they, they're just like, oh my gosh, see, it's Jesus. Well, yeah, of course it is by design. Hmm. It's supposed to remind you. I mean, mm-hmm. the gospels wanted you to think of Jesus whenever you saw these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, The servant psalms themselves do not give an identity for the servant. Some have suggested, you know, other characters in the Bible who have been called the servant of the Lord, like Moses or Jeremiah. Uh, Some have suggested that this prophet, this is the prophet himself who is being reflected in this kind of persecution for giving the truth, but being persecuted for it and coming out the other side. Um, It's interesting because in the chapter right before this, in chapter 49, verse 3, Israel, the nation, is identified explicitly as the servant. Yeah, Um, and that happens actually several times from forty-two to forty-nine. It'll say, "My servant Israel," uh, "My servant Jacob," "My servant Israel," "My servant Jacob," which of course are the same thing. Um, I mean, that happens on on a couple of occasions, Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the servant psalms, the one right before this, actually says, "Israel, my servant." So, how does that work? I mean, how do you have the nation as servant yeah. um the 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 general interpretation is to think of the nation the the faithful in the nation as personified, mm-hmm.
0: so that mm-hmm.
1: the ones who ended up suffering exile not because they did anything wrong but because other people in the nation did things wrong, and they clung to their faith and they clung to God, and that's how they come out the other side in this new exodus, mm-hmm. the faithful having held on to yeah. their identity as they go so um, and so that's possible. I mean, people, people get so wound up in who the, who the servant is. Like, if you say it's Israel, you can't say it's Jesus. Um, and I, and I don't understand why we get so wound up on that. Mm. I mean, this, this notion of vicarious suffering is not, And it's like, it's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Only Jesus, uh. uh, is, is the only one for whom you, you know, can say by your stripes, you're healed. Mm. I, I don't know. You I mean, of- I could say that about Jeremiah too. I could say that about Moses on some levels. I could say that about uh, Paul. I could say that about Jesus. I could yeah. say that about you know. Well,
0: and I mean, then, and then Paul kind of embodies that and is yes, consciously yes.
1: doing that. So, so I, I don't. I think we have to sort of allow these texts to speak more broadly than mm-hmm. than some people. It's it's not. It's not like we're doing some sort of. Code breaking escape room where aha! I found the answer to this text. This is the mystery. Yeah. But no, this. Oh, text this is... reminds
0: me of an email we got. Um, oh, good. Uh, Rob, who is the servant? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll take my answer on the air. <laughs>
1: uh, my answer is and the, yes.
0: Servant is singular in the question. Oh, is
1: it? Oh. Yeah. Are you sure? Because it could be a, a collective. Oh. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. My answer is usually yes on that one. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Vicarious. I mean. I, I think that this is what we are as Christians are called to embody. It's what Paul embodies, it's what Jesus embodies, it's what the faithful in Israel embodied. It's and in Philippians two, you know, this is being God, this is the way God does things. I mean, God yeah. is willing to endure suffering. I so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I people get really wound up about this. I'm not yeah. I'm not one of those. But definitely who get wound up the about
0: this. New Testament reading of these is definitely Mine, mining it to understand Jesus yes. Christo- right. Christologically, for sure.
1: Of course. Sure. They're, they're telling the story of Jesus, and they, they're wanting to—what what is it you like to say, and I'll say it again, that these are portraits of Jesus, mm-hmm. and these, these authors are not wanting you to miss uh, the nature of who Jesus is, and so they tell the story right. to embody the servant to
0: give you that picture of Jesus, you know? So that you, too, can enter right. into that, yeah. which, exactly. is, which is explicitly what, what's going on in Philippines, I mean, right?
1: They could have pictured Jesus with an Irish wolfhound, but instead they decided, <laughs> let's go Isaiah's servant. That's, that's yeah. a better way to that's go. A, that's a little so,
0: high class. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, yeah, this is, this is I think that's important. I do. No. It's too often missed. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: well, when bad things happen to me, I think, uh, who messed up now? Who missed? <laughs> right, Why is right. my car not starting? What right. is going on? I told you that's that story. That's a mature. That's a mature Christian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told that story. Of a friend of mine who is at seminary, and uh, one of his friends was. Uh, you know, when you're in seminary, you're always also working at a church, and because everybody at seminary is working at a church, usually your church okay. is about seventy miles away. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and so this guy's in New Orleans, and he's working at a church down in the bayou, and um, he had a Friday night youth retreat or something and and his car wouldn't start. Um and uh couldn't get his car to start and he comes back in and and he looks at my friend Brian and he goes, "Man, I just don't know if it's if it's God who's protecting me from something bad along the way and that's why my car won't start or if it's Satan uh because Satan knows great things are going to happen at this youth retreat. And he's it's, trying to keep me there." It's and tough uh
0: if you and, and he's got some theological training, so
1: and my my friend looked at him and said, "It's God telling you not to drive a 76 Pinto." That's what it yeah. is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well that could be God's grace too. <laughs> so
1: but uh yeah, this is a this is uh, this is the nature of of what it is to be the faithful. Very often you are the one who is taking on the shame of others. Um and mm-hmm. that is that's the servant. Mm-hmm. Um so
0: the faithful at the uh, the latter uh, Old Testament period, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and New yeah. Testament period.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, Jeremiah mm-hmm. is a good example of that, mm-hmm. where where in his own life his calling is to bear the shame for the sake of the message of God. Yeah, um, all the prophets on some levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Hosea, uh, public shame, right? To, to yeah. yeah, preach this message. So. This is this is the way God's servants look, whether they are the nation or. And and I will say most Jewish readings of this take it fairly straightforward. Oh, it says the nation in forty nine, so it's the nation. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, most Jewish interpreters are not biblical literists, but this is one place where they go. Well, it, the text says it's Israel, so you know it's Israel. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay, it's right. not it's not a messianic passage, and I mean it's clearly not a messianic passage, and okay. uh, and so that's something that the New Testament writers did. Um,
0: Well, yeah, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that, but I, I wonder how in the, in, in later rabbinic and later Mm. Judaism, where it's like, well, they, these guys grabbed that. These Christians really, uh, kind of mm-hmm. seized on this, we're not gonna to touch that messianically or something on like that. On some
1: level, but I also think when you look at the history of Jewish history, yeah, it's pretty easy to understand the nation is suffering. Yes. Um so I mean I'm just gonna it's a lot of, you a lot of
0: confirmation gotta, of that. You don't gotta go real far yeah, to, exactly. to find that. Yeah. So
1: um so I think it's a Occam's razor thing for them. You know the simplest interpretation seems to be it's us. So Yeah <laughs> <laughs> The Bible says it's us, it's and just, a cursory glance at our history makes it look like us. confirmed
0: so often. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That was a good overview of the uh, Servant Psalms. Oh, why, thank you. Yeah, I guess, well, I don't know enough even to ask this question intelligently, but that won't stop me. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I guess. I just won't well, answer it intelligently. It's, it's uh, I think, I think Bacham is reflecting on Moltmann's um, theology of God... Uh, God of the, I'm going to get these, they're playing with each other's titles. So I've, I think I've got it, you got them mixed up, but he talks about the servant Psalms and, and some ambiguous things like it talks about the servant, which, which servant song talks about it. The his servant is high and exalted. Okay. Which is language oh. that Isaiah uses for God yeah. earlier in the, it is high and lofty is and the, lofty. is the
1: language for God. Yeah. Um, Oh that's a good question. I think it's the later one. Uh-huh. Um, that does that the last one.
0: Which is which one. is yeah uh, it's interesting what he does with it. And I'm not sure if he's getting that from Moltman mm. uh, or not. But um yeah, there's some I could there there are interest. there there's so some obvious reasons why we would gravitate toward this and then there's some enigmatic things like that I think that he's right. he pulls out that that's like oh that's intriguing. What's all? What's all involved in these? But,
1: uh, yeah, it's 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 the last. It's the first verse. I, th- I thought it was. It's the first verse of the last one. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up, and shall be very high. Hmm. Uh, just as there were many who were astonished uh, at him, so marred at his appearance beyond human semblance and his form of mortals, so shall they startle many nations. So that's that's the the dawning revelation of oh my gosh, you know, hmm. this guy's exalted by God. So yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. That is language that is used of God being. High and lofty throughout the—that's yeah. that, that's Isaiah's call in Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord seated mm-hmm. high and lofty, and the yeah. hair of His robe filled the temple. Yeah. So.
0: so there's some interesting things that he does with that. And it reminds me, I mean, just—because I've got another page open with uh, Saul, with uh, Philippians 2. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, that's also the language in uh, in the Christ hymn, mm. you know? It's like, oh, which is, which is intentionally embodying some of this— uh, Servant language. Ser- Servant language and theology. So, oh, anyway— mysteries wow. mysteries.
1: that's fun i mean it's just so much art going on you know there just really is so much art going on in these texts they do yeah. so much yeah with their expression and their poetry and- well and
0: then and luke's luke's passion probably embodies the suffering servant motifs more than any any of the other oh, yeah. um gospels so it's very intentional about that so mm. these are these are very interesting the gathering of texas this week
1: Well, this is going to be a two-hour podcast if Mm -hmm. we don't move on. Right, better move on. Probably ought to go to Psalm 31. All right, (laughs) because you're reminding me we have to do Luke and Philippians. So, (laughs) um. (laughs) do you want to solve these mysteries before we
0: get to this long? All right, Psalm 31, nine to sixteen. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes waste away from grief, my soul and body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Sounds like these pharmaceutical uh, side effects. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Those who see me in the street flee from me. Yep, this could happen. I have passed out of mind like one who's dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many. Terror all around, as they scheme together against me. Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not plotting <laughs> they're not to out, take my life. That's right. That's right. <laughs> as they plot to take my life, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love.
1: It does a really nice job uh, putting the uh, side of the middle of this psalm, which is like. I mean, they literally took like the center few verses of the psalm. It's like another eight or nine after the verses after this, another eight nine before it. But it makes mm-hmm. it like a. It really is like a miniature psalm in and of itself. Yeah. It's, it's a tiny little cohesive lament psalm. The fillet um, that is. Uh, yeah, it has everything. It has the the complaint and it has the petition and it has the the invocation and it has a little bit of a doxology and and it. Uh, um, but it has all of your basic elements that you would find in a in a lament psalm right here. Um doesn't take long to know why we're reading this during, you know, mm-hmm. during passion week, uh, picking up on some of those servant ideas, even the scorn of the, uh, neighbors and object of horror to my neighbors and, uh, dread to my acquaintances. Um, the, uh, there was something else I was gonna say. Oh, uh, save me is, uh, Hosanna. Mm. Um, so okay. that's a, a really good, um, yeah, really good thing to read on Palm slash passion Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, save me in your steadfast love. Yeah. Um, I, it, it is, and I was talking about this. I'm going to talk about this in my sermon because um, we're we're going to first half of the service will be palms, and the last half will be passion, basically, because oh. okay. case folks miss Friday. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it is fascinating to me how Hosanna in sort of contemporary parlance is like a synonym for Hallelujah, mm-hmm. um, the way people use it, and it's not (laughs) it's it's a yeah this cry of desperation that is you know um it is it is used as a celebratory call on palm sunday because it is a a recognition that finally we won't be in our situation anymore you know it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not a synonym for hallelujah it's 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 something else and so this is what it is you know i'm I'm an object of terror. Save me. Hosanna. Oh God, you know, save me in your right. steadfast love.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, that, that's always bugged me. No, that's interesting. <laughs> so, I mean,
0: when, when the triumphal entry, they're yelling, they're crying out, save, save, save us. now, save us. save Now,
1: save now, save now, save now. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's thrown in his, Jesus face on the cross. You know, he's right. being mocked as a
1: savior. You saved others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so yeah, that, that, word is so often used in ways that i think are unhelpful yeah so in songs you know
0: yeah yeah it should be in a minor key shouldn't it hosanna yeah should. Hosanna. No, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: terrified kid songs <laughs> right hosanna hosanna yeah Ooh. that's so. that's true those those words go in, go in, a lot of things go in one ear and out the other. And Well, yeah. Never hit anything in between. That's, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> never even hit the think sponge inside. Oh, man. Not to get too right. technical.
1: Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there. there today well i don't have a whole lot to say about the psalm it's a lament psalm we've talked about lament i'm I'm fine moving on and okay getting to philippians okay if you're all right with that yeah let's do that okay oh i just lost my page hold on whoops i just lost my page again all right here we go uh philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and found in human form. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
0: All right. Now I'm distracted by the uh, the question I posed, which yeah. was a different question. makes me want to go back, like, wait a minute, i got to go back and look at that high and exalted language. Find but, that language, yeah. Yeah, but that's for another podcast, evidently. So, yeah, the... Uh, the the carmen carmen christi song of song of christ mm-hmm. in latin mm-hmm. which i you know uh speaking of words that go in one ear and out the other for the longest time um uh i thought i was thinking carmen i'm thinking like incarnation or something like i'm thinking carne like f- fleshman or mm-hmm. something like that from spanish you know so it's like i you know i'm, I'm not Just carrying that notion around in my head. Not that I ever really thought about it. So, anyway, but but, and everything, every time you ever read about it, it's the hymn of Christ, Carmen Christie. Like, make the connection, man. Make the connection. Lazy, lazy scholarship. (laughs) (laughs) Makes more sense. Yeah. I think it does when you say it that way. Yeah. Yeah, Or it's a nickname. Hey, my Jesus Christ, but my friends call me Carmen. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, I don't think so. What's your so. middle, line, H, there's middle a lot of, in H. There's a lot of Jesus's in the day. So, you know, uh, it's a lot of Joshua's, like a few years ago in, in my classes. Oh, man, they're everywhere.
1: <laughs> everywhere.
0: They're everywhere. So, yeah, I don't know. We, what do you, we, we talked about this not that long well, ago.
1: the one thing that I think is so helpful here is what you talk about in verse six. That translation of though he was in the form of God. Yeah. Better right. translating being God,
0: yeah, right, right, because it because that same word morphe, form is mm-hmm. used for his humanity to, being found, you know, being in the form of God took on the form of human form, right, and that that doesn't mean like he looked like he was human, but he really wasn't, as we know. Yeah. Like unless you're a Gnostic, that's not what that's saying. Even if you are a Gnostic, that's not what that's saying. Yeah, right. so. Yeah, this is, uh, on the other hand, I've just read a, uh, an excursus in, in Ralph Martin's commentary on this, who, who's really the guy on, on, uh, on Carmen Christie on the, hy- the Christ hymn. I'm just saying that's why I remember what that means. Right, right. <laughs> that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's a little tip. It's a pro tip right there. <laughs> we don't just give those PhDs. We're getting into your conversation to yourself. Uh, it. And I hadn't read this before, but there's a lot of slicing and dicing of this um, this hymn. It's thought to be the first—oh, uh, it's going to get me off in another direction. It's thought to be the first hymn that's praising Christ, okay? Mm-hmm. And Paul is quoting it. Um, and he reminds us that it's po- it's poetry and it's a song, and it's not meant to be sliced up by later church councils to do precise— definitions of, of of incarnation or mm-hmm. divinity or mm-hmm. or what did that entail when he took on the human forms of that what kind of emptying was that was that just merely adding human form what did he divest himself of things and, and he said and and so helpfully it's like guys it's a poem so uh, a poem is meant to be read in its entirety mm-hmm. um as opposed to t- being taken apart um like a, a theological proposition or something mm-hmm. more uh like the way precision scientifically or attempt to be scientifically precise with language say post enlightenment or something like that um which is helpful which is helpful yeah. um yeah. i think cuz like don't get stuck there if if you got stuck on morphe in um in verse 6 and didn't didn't realize the poetic relationship to the its occasion in the next verse, uh, right. I get that. And um, yeah, I don't know, I hadn't read that before, and That's that's helpful, because everybody does slice yeah. and dice it, you know? Like I say, speaking of great literature, it'd be like saying, what's the story on that second banana who's knocking right. at my door just before the orange showed up? Yeah. There's no yeah. story. There's no story.
1: And and to help you on that, that's Mike's referring to the knock knock joke. That, uh, the uh, banana, banana, orange. The banana, 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 Man. banana, banana, orange.
0: And when I and say orange, I mean orange, not origin. Yeah. but yeah, orange. That's, this is literally is the, uh, a fruit.
1: What is the story on the second banana? There is no story on the yeah. second banana. What's it's the origin you story? The orange
0: <laughs> on the second banana. Anyway, yes, yeah, I'm sure people have <laughs> drunk deeply from that in previous podcasts. I'm sure. Yeah. He doesn't even explain why he's doing this. Well, I guess he does at the beginning, let the same mind be in you. And then he he quotes the whole song. That's, yeah, that's a power move. It's like, uh, he's gonna, he's not just like, you know, that song we all know, but he quotes the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, it's, it's applicable to a, a fractious church, which mm-hmm. might be redundant. I don't know. I don't know that I, maybe there are churches that don't have, uh, uh, factions and uh, but there, you, you could take this, uh, uh, any church could benefit from this, but uh, I guess, I guess if I've had more time looking at Philippians, I've, I think probably in the earlier podcast, when we dipped into it, it's like, boy, this, everything, you know, this what a relief for Paul to have a church like this, you know, it just, everything's good. And the more I realize, oh, there's all this, all this goodness language that Paul's saying, let's get back to that. You know, there's, they mm, really do have these underlying right. issues and, and, uh, quarrels going on amongst people and, and uh, he is talking about just before this about doing things for your own self interest, and on the other hand, we could be like Christ, let the same mind be in you that mm-hmm. was in Christ Jesus. So, this wonderful, um, wonderful image, this kind of a U-shaped image of descent uh, down to uh, taking to the incarnation itself is a is a taking the form of a servant, and then mm-hmm. the life of servanthood is ministry, and then the obedience. To the point of death, even death on a cross, the most heinous probably that they were on a daily exposed to in the Roman mm-hmm. Empire at crossroads and such. Therefore God also highly exalted him. I have to think more about that that language, go back and that's really interesting now. See what's going on with that. Yeah, we got the Isaiah six suffering servant song. And then and then here. So that yeah, we gotta dig into that sometime. Maybe season 6 will come, Okay. We'll yeah. come back to that. Put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah. So in three years, we'll be back to this. Therefore, God highly sure. exalted and gave him a name that is above every name. Um, yeah, and, and of course, not too long ago, I, I think we explored this in the context of uh, um, foot washing. It's interesting mm-hmm. what what this common sort of charisma or preaching of the church, preaching of the gospel, that it takes different forms. Very common in, um, um, you know, this is in the—this is— there's forms of this in the ministry of Jesus and the gospels for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose it uh, mm-hmm. for my sake will gain, you know, there's a lot of those whoever humbles himself like a child is the grace in the kingdom. It's a couple from Matthew um, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So yeah, it just works its way into different uh, language uh, at mm-hmm. the gym, gi- at the gym, they say no pain, no gain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... So Yeah very thoroughly. Is that
1: the same? I'm not sure that's the same. I don't know,
0: and I don't take, I just, you know, I, don't, I don't dig that deep into what the, the guys okay. say. Yeah. You know, Fair enough. At the gym. No, and I don't even go to the gym, for that matter. That, so. That'll show them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That'll>, <laughs> so it, it's so thoroughly, it's thoroughly Christian, one might say. Yeah. Thoroughly Christian. This, uh, this
1: This one is such, for me, such an essential passage, just in understanding the nature of of Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's just that nature of what that ministry was and what the, what, what the Christian life is. Let the same mind be in mm-hmm. you that was in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, suffering servant, right? That your, by your stripes, they are healed. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, take that on yourself. Yeah. That's some, yeah. That's and, amazing.
0: and, you know, we, we were, chewing, I was nibbling around the edges of, as we're getting through Paul and, and, and kind of in a disciplined way, reading different sections of Paul as as the, uh lectionary has us do encountering again and again, Paul uh, taking this language into his own, uh, bio- mm-hmm. biography and ministry. And you realize, Oh, he mm-hmm. is, he is preaching Jesus as suffering servant and also saying he's identifying with that and embodying that in his ministry. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I mean, he's a great model, really. Uh, I mean, second
1: Corinthians, the end of second Corinthians, you would have to say that, that that's exactly what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Look at what committing myself to God has brought upon me. That's what that's that's the nature of it. And that is suffering servant. Look what committing to the cause of God brought on the servant. Look what committing to the cause of God brought on Christ and Christ entered into it willingly mm-hmm. uh, in the same way. So,
0: yeah, yeah that's fascinating. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I don't want to get political. You know, me. I yeah, don't want to no, get political. I'll try to frame don't. this as generically as possible. You might have seen that I posted some. One One candidate was talking about another candidate. He got asked, do, you, do, do they think he's Christian? And what was interesting is that sometimes when you talk about some of the people involved, they talk about things they've done that would be mm-hmm. specific things. But this, this person talked about the total life orientation didn't seem to be Christian in, in this sense, in this broader total orientation of life about, uh, humbling and servant. And I go, mm-hmm. well, that's interesting because that's a whole nother level of conversation. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a thoughtful person who's framing the issue that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was impressed in that regard. It's like, oh, this would be nice to get to, uh, uh, a, a, uh, a different level than keeping score and, and like, right. here's, here's the sins I don't like. And, and, uh, but that was like, well, that was a deeper answer probably than the journalist expected or anyone right. expected. It's right. very much about well, what does it mean to be a follower mm-hmm. of Christ? What means this kind of life? It's like, wow, mm-hmm. we just got this just got real.
1: Yeah, that's
0: fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you want to move on and see what it looks like when you
0: Yeah. Actually, yeah, let me start to scroll down. Oh, my hand is cramping. Uh, trying to get so to... So
1: we're saying 23, 1 to 49, right?
0: <laughs> that's what.
1: That's the shorter
0: reading. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm going to go uh, out. I'm going to go get make myself a you sandwich, go get something you get started. Make yourself
1: a sandwich. I'll go ahead and read. Okay. Then the assembly rose as a body. Which assembly is
0: this? Uh, assembly of God. Okay. <laughs> No, as they refer no. to themselves. I don't think... This is, think this is. the Jewish Sanhedrin who were uh, okay. who were giving him grief, and then a couple more rounds with Pilate and Herod coming up.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. All right. No. The assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate, um, who's not Jewish, we should probably point yes. out. Yes, uh, They Careful began reader. to accuse him, saying, we found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" He answered, "You say so." Uh, then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, "I find no basis for an accusation against this man." That's
0: that's like, but, how did he not have enough? Any tone did he got away with that? Like, oh, he's innocent. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> you, I, I don't understand how you answer that question in that you know, way anyways. and it's like,
0: oh, he's innocent. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm. I, say you're. I, I don't. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, but they were in. I lost my place. All right. They were insistent right. and said, he stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. When he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, and he figured out, hey, this is my uh, way out of this. Yes. He sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he'd been wanting to see him for a long time. Which Herod is this, by the way? There's like four that are all called Herod. Do you know which uh, Herod this is?
0: The number There's I don't know. Antipas's
1: Agrippa's, and
0: uh, it's not Agrippa, and okay. it's not Herod the Great. So I so believe this would be Antipas. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Just sorry. Anyway, no. um, uh, because he'd heard him and was hoping to see him perform some sign, he questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave no answer. The chief priests and scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him and put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Well, it's nice Jesus bringing people together.
0: Yes, Um, against him.
1: (laughs) Pilate then (laughs) called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one of the one who was perverting the people and here i've examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him neither is herod for he sent him back to us indeed he's done nothing to deserve death i will therefore have him flogged and release him there that's something we Roman should make us law, all happy. the
0: pinnacle of legal, yeah, justice yes, civility then
1: they all shouted out together away with this fellow release barabbas to, for us This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Mm. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he Mm. said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no ground for sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But then, but they kept urging, demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that they Their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him. Among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were was that right one who were yeah i guess that's right one of the criminals Mm -hmm. who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying are you not the messiah save yourself and us hosanna Mm -hmm. Uh, but the other rebuked him saying do you not fear god since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed have been condemned justly for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said, Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until 3 in the afternoon. When the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn into, then Jesus cried with a loud voice, said, "Father, into your hands I commend my spirit." Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breast. But all his acquaintances, including the women who'd followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things.
0: Okay. Whew. That was good. I think you could do it a little bit quicker, though. I think you might all right. go for the I record.
1: Could, yeah, I could t- You felt that was quick, was it? I'm that sorry. was good. I mean, I was <laughs> like, oh,
0: this is going to be a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, all right. Yeah, I didn't, what do you do with a piece of text like this? It's almost as though they would like, just read it, you know, in yeah, the service. Let it stand. Yeah, the homily will be very short, you know, this Sunday. A couple of things. I've always
1: I thought that. How about if I say things I thought are interesting and okay. then you can tell me how wrong I am. Okay. Um,
0: but and I'll tell you whether it's interesting, interesting or not. Right, <laughs> right.
1: Um Boring. How Luke, in writing for a different audience, is focusing on Jesus's innocence as opposed to, I mean, that's... Um, whereas the the centurion in Matthew and Mark says this man's the son of God. In Luke he says this is an innocent man, and that's Pilate. Look, he's I found nothing. He's innocent. I mean, there's all this images uh, of innocent, uh, innocent, innocent. Yeah. Um, in Luke is that's always been interesting that okay. that's the way he talks about it.
0: Yeah. No, I actually I did did not get into that. Certainly the the innocent. Uh, at the trials comes through in every uh, in yes. every gospel. It's just like, oh, he's innocent. He's innocent. He's innocent. Christmas. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, Christmas. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, that I did not uh, focus on that.
1: And then uh, I'm thinking, and I guess one of the reasons I'm thinking that is I'm thinking of Acts also. Whenever Paul's coming before, you know, like Galio, it's all this innocent. Yeah, you know, there's nothing. Rome doesn't have any reason to fear from Jesus and Rome doesn't have any reason to fear from Paul and Rome doesn't. I mean, just, I just hear innocence over and yeah. over
0: again. This. Yeah. Well, it, and there are those who say Acts is, and as a part of Luke is kind of a brief for, um, a, an apologetic for Jesus. And also like a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a brief one would file for Paul's trial, which is right. like, um, but that is if you actually pay attention to what Jesus is teaching and what Paul's teaching, they're they're a big threat to Rome. And they right, do have right. some very critical things to say about uh um there is in fact you know stirring up and dividing households and and uh Caesar's not gonna have any of that and Rome's not gonna have any of that. So um there are those who put a, a very nice bow on that. Um this seems to be a um a recognition similar to the thief on the cross who recognizes that uh, we're justly accused and he's innocent. And he's, he's, <laughs> he's innocent. Yes, yes. But it is something about um, outsiders who have this revelation of who Jesus is. It's always these outsiders. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a person within Judaism who's really just a some some form of criminal. We don't know what kind of criminal. Conventionally or traditionally, we call him thief on the cross, but some but, kind yeah, of he's malefactor. Gonna have to,
1: he's going to have to be a threat to Rome, though, if he's being crucified, right? I mean, he's got to, on some level, there's some <laughs> shame, shaming that needs to take place as the, a result of his crime. The
0: criminal or Jesus? Yeah.
1: No, well, yeah, the criminal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we call him a thief, but I'm still trying to figure out what is he stealing that that <laughs> Rome would feel like he needed to be publicly shamed for, you know? That's... <laughs> Because that's uh, when I hear crucifixion, this is a that's a that's a political thing, usually, right? I mean, when you think of it as capital
0: punishment, it's like one of the it's like one of the one of the tools in their toolbox with their yeah. all well that. I don't know what that guy's crime is, but I've got this hammer I'm not doing this. and he looks like a nail. He probably he's probably a right. nail. Let's right. just so
1: it could have been anything you're saying, yes, okay. yes. It's so okay. interesting
0: when you get into when you get into acts, uh, uh, some just you know, sometimes I'll see I'll show a film. On the overview uh, of of the life of Paul and um, and some really good scholars, and they would say things like, "Well, you know, Paul Paul uh, was in prison. And he probably you know, there's two theories that he got released from Rome, uh, or mm-hmm. that Rome actually executed him after his his first imprisonment." And um, one one scholar who uh, I won't mention his name, but he says, hey, "But but Rome, you know, uh, Rome wouldn't he didn't do anything worthy of death, so." Uh, Rome wouldn't execute him. I'm <laughs> thinking, did you read the first volume? <laughs> How'd that work out for Jesus? You know, <laughs> he was innocent. Yeah, How so. many times would Jesus pronounce innocent here and then, yeah. and then dies? Yeah. So, um, I don't. I I don't know. It might be. Yeah, I, w- I won't speculate since I haven't revisited okay. that. But it is. It is in parallel to the thief's uh, recognition. And the thief is on in, is in parallel to the one who's condemning Jesus, mm-hmm. um, so you do have the crowds in Jerusalem who are who are calling for Jesus' death, and then a gradual conversion of those crowds. I've seen people read it in other in other gospels that uh, these are different. This is a different group of people, but it does leave out hope that uh, there is. Uh, Uh, Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that then, because you do see repentance on the part of the crowds here.
1: Oh, yeah, in verse 48. That's that's an excellent point. Yeah,
0: well, I'll just deal with it here, because what's different about the conclusion here is that uh, things that are found in the others are put before his death, and it leaves room for understanding things different after his death. So the thing about uh, it's noon and darkness over the whole land, that is accompanying Jesus' crucifixion, Mm -hmm. but... um, 45, the sun's light failed, but and the curtain of the temple was torn in two is mentioned before the death. So that's kind of like you think about how you're framing this. Mm-hmm. Uh Luke is typically not saying, and this is how God saves us, or this is what the Messiah has accomplished. But he's talking mm-hmm. about it in terms of the impact or uh look at that person's response to Jesus or look at the kind of the collateral stuff around it. Or how he's framing the story. So he sh- he shows the light f- failing, the curtain of the temple being rent, the death of Jesus. Um, Jesus is also um, in this; he's interceding for people from the cross, and that's something he does. Um, he prays and he prays for people, and there's usually mm-hmm. some revelation that takes place after that. So he's praying, and then he asks, "Who do I men say that I am?" He's praying and, well, anytime Jesus is praying in Something happens. Yeah. Well, actually, Luke and Acts, if people pray, things happen. You know, they're praying on the day of Pentecost, they're in prayer. Um, But it's often revelatory in in the gospel so that someone has uh, a revelation. Um, And that's probably what's going on with uh, the thief and the centurion. There's something about Jesus' intercession, but there's something about Jesus' death also. So you have a tearing of the temple veil, Jesus' death, commanding his spirit to him, and then you have a Jewish and a Gentile response. You have the centurion who says, certainly this man was innocent, uh, Gentile, and when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw they had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. So you have the impact of Jesus' death, okay? Mm -hmm. You have Mm -hmm. that framed in terms of um, tearing the temple veil, Which you know, Luke has this complex relationship with the temple, temple in that it is both a uh, uh, lots happens in the temple. There's a lot of uh, events that happen in the temple, and it's oriented around the temple. But the temple is also depicted as this thing that uh, keeps people at arm's length from God. Mm -hmm. This uh, ultimately becomes a a stumbling block for people, certainly for Gentiles who it's is probably written for, and um, the orientation of a, uh, kind of a centripetal, uh, you got to come to the temple. You got to, you got to move toward Jerusalem and the temple to get close to God. It it changes in the second volume and it's an outward movement. So, um, within the larger fabric, if you will, of, of Luke, the tearing of the temple veil has a much more, um, um, kind of a pregnant image of that system That has gradations of holiness that keep people from God, that uh, prevent even seekers of God who are Gentiles, but don't want to take on the shame of... uh Jewish culture and circumcision and things like that—that's uh, no longer going to be in effect. That's done away in Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. And so, like Ephesians talks about this wall of en- enmity between Jew and Gentile, that and, and you know, Ephesians kind of explicitly gets into the how that, that is destroyed in Jesus' death. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's more of a Lucan theology too. Uh, that's probably something involved in the framing of that that you see the the rending of the temple veil and that system's done away in Jesus' death. And then you see a Jewish and a Gentile response. You see uh, mm-hmm. a response on the part of both of them. Um, if we're moving backwards, there's a lot about this. The save yourself. I don't know how many times mm-hmm. we read save yourself, which is evoking the, uh, Hosanna. Yeah. Hosanna, Hosanna, but also the, uh, Suffering servant imagery, mm-hmm. uh, psalms of lament, people standing at a distance. So it's not, it's not a totally positive image. I mean, even the women who are faithful and with Jesus are standing afar off, mm-hmm. not fully identified. So that not everything's resolved at that point. And, and how, is, how are they going to respond to the, the death of Jesus? What, what's their discipleship going to look like? Um, and he, couldn't, he doesn't even look to... Um, uh, as, as positive as the women are, they're not a full example of discipleship, but you, you kind of get that motif of discipleship with Simon the Cyrene who carries his cross, uh, takes, mm-hmm. takes up Jesus' cross and follows after him, which is almost exactly how Jesus phrases discipleship, yeah, back wh- in Luke 9, what that looks yeah. like. So he's coming in from the country, which means he didn't have any part in calling for Jesus' death. Uh, he is a classic example of this outsider. We don't know their backstory, Who's embodying discipleship? So an interesting mm-hmm. uh, example. It doesn't tell us why he needed to uh, carry the cross or Jesus' exhaustion, like other other uh, gospels do. It just inserts him into the story that way. So there's some very uh, there's a lot of connection between uh, the rejection of Jesus and this uh, the the other side of that coin. If you reject your Savior, what what's you know what's the, your future for that, for this city that's called for Jesus' death? Uh, not so much that, that God is going to be a retributive against them, but uh, you've abandoned your—you know—you've—you've you've missed your mm-hmm. visitation. So um, Jesus, I'm kind of reading backwards, he's talking to the daughters of Jerusalem who are weeping for him. In some sense, they're identifying with Jesus, but Jesus is warning them about the future. Uh, so there's this dire warning, but also the call for. Call for uh, repentance, you know. Uh, do not weep for me, but weep for your, yourselves and your children. So, it's interesting how Luke and Acts never shut the door, even in a dire situation like this. People have called for Jesus' death. Uh, the, even from the tr- from the trials to the cross, you see some some movement on the part of those crowds that they're they're opening up to that. And then after his death, you see people returning uh, back to Jerusalem, beating their uh, the breasts, not unlike the uh, the repentant Pharisee in Luke eighteen who's praying from afar off mm-hmm. and the exultant Pharisees thanking God for how great he is and high-fiving God about his awesomeness. <laughs> so mm-hmm. counter mm-hmm. to that. So some lots of echoes of obviously um, Luke and Luke and themes. Well, that, that's what makes it so hard to, to read in, in any of the, uh, The passionate narratives is that all the narrative threads come together. Are bringing them together in this moment? Yeah, yeah, at the cross, and it's all been leading up to this, and it's.
1: You're coming into the season finale and trying to say, "What's what now? Who's he? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah. What's the story with these Avengers? Yeah, yeah, right,
0: (laughs) right. Yeah, I didn't. No, I haven't seen any of the movies. I haven't seen any
1: of the movies, (laughs) but yeah, exactly. Just tell
0: me why this scene is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh let's see. Um Herod and Pilate, um they've both been talked about as uh Herod is a menacing presence who wants mm-hmm. to see Jesus in nine, like he saw. Uh, John the Baptist, John and then the Baptist. killed him. Uh, yeah. Pilate is one who uh, kills. Killed the people bringing their sacrifices. Galilean pilgrims, which Jesus mm-hmm. is, right? He's going to Jesus going to get to yeah. meet these guys. He's a Galilean. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. What? Hey, you know who loves Galileans? Herod that gives me an idea. Yeah. Right. But I think I'll turn him over to Herod. But you're right. It's like he's pawning him off on Herod. Like this is a difficult situation. These guys are clearly trying to manipulate me. How do I have an out? Oh, he's from Galilee. Yeah. Let's send him over to be mocked some more by, by Herod. And, and the, you know, how clear to me
1: in this text, Jesus' rejection by both Jews and Gentiles. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, the rejection here is everyone. There's no—you can't blame any group for Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. You blame everyone oh, yes. for yeah. Jesus' death. Right, right. I mean, the, the tendency toward anti-Semitic readings of these texts, and oh, yeah. yet here in the text— yeah. It's everybody. The the Jewish rejection and the Gentile rejection. is everyone's responsible for. Yes. That, so.
0: Yes. Well, and then and then the or the theological question, uh why did Jesus die? Well, let's see. It was a mm-hmm. political plot, it was a mm-hmm. religious plot. Uh it was also a, a larger, you know, you pull the veil back, it's it's not just a human plot. It's mm-hmm. spiritual opposition. Uh but on the other hand, God and God, you know, this is determined as the the Christ must suffer, and that's really evoking the uh, suffering psalms and and Luke. Uh, on the other hand, Jesus uh, submitted to this in obedience. So it's like mm-hmm. those things that are in, in other genres, like uh, even an epistle or or later th- theological treatises, you can only say a few things, but a narrative can weave all those together. Yeah, it's like in a very yeah. complex way, which is helpful because that's kind of how life is. You know, it's, a, yeah. it's not well, just it's not just if you one pick thing. Up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you don't come to it helpful. with your uh, predetermined doctrine and say that's that's why he we died,
1: fit it into this picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's an interesting way to say. You know, it doesn't. There's not. A tremendous amount like, and that's how Jesus forgave our sins. You know, what you see right. is, you see is this breakdown of, oh, here's a, a Jewish a Gentile response. Mm-hmm. Here's people who have been adamantly opposed to uh, God's and then, purpose in Jesus, and they're actually coming around too.
1: That was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. So you have a Jewish and Gentile response at the beginning, which brings his crucifixion, and then you have the Jewish and Gentile response after the crucifixion right. with the soldier and the crowd.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 So it's not just like, oh, those, those are the bad guys. Okay. No. No. Yeah. No. no. Keep reading. Keep yeah. reading. Yeah. Yes and no.
1: <laughs> life is life is pretty complicated, and it turns out so is this narrative. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. And yeah. and you read it, you don't really think about that. You know, yeah. uh, we're not. I would say Protestantism. Um, huh, I was going to say post-Reformation Protestantism. That would be a little really? bit redundant. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very uh, kind of uh, bent toward deriving theology from uh, Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, not really well, good at getting it from Luther's through, through, Luther's, yeah. eyes. Paul, I mean, through Luther's eyes. But I mean, in terms of a genre, you know, people go, "Well, this is just history. There's no theology here." It's like, really? Right, right. <laughs> There's no theology. Can, right. Uh, now that you can learn from stories, right? Right. Yeah, even though that's the only thing people remember from our sermons. That's true. And sometimes it's just the kids' sermon. Because <laughs> 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 we're more intentional about the story. <laughs> that's probably right.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, you know what? For such deep text, I think we did pretty well this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. All we had to do was skip the psalm and and ended up <laughs> staying pretty much on task. So that was good. You
0: know. Let me say one more thing. This this is a unique thing for oh, Luke. Oh, well, so much for that. Go ahead. Stare me in the face. Uh, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, that is one of these things that Luke is talking about. Um, he talks about things spatially or access to Mm -hmm. God. We're talking about these gradations of holiness being, uh, keeping people from God. Here's an ultimate outsider within Judaism. He's an Mm -hmm. outsider. He's Mm -hmm. an offcast. Even, you know, Rome is, is he's an ultimate, you know, when you're crucified as a criminal by Rome and who knows what the backstory, but here's someone, um, who in recognizing Jesus, something as an outsider, they recognize Jesus and that um, there's some transformation that goes on. So a paradise is a place of uh, restricted access to God, you know, the, af- the after the fall, mm-hmm. paradise imagery, and there's a lot of paradise um, imagery in the temple, uh, these, mm-hmm. these uh, uh, restricted spaces. So um, that also informs the rending of the temple veil, because that's right after this. So... Um to say to talk about salvation in terms of access to God's presence. That's a pregnant image. And and paradise images is woven into the Temple Veil, right? Uh mm-hmm, that is. Yeah. So the rending of the Temple Veil in the in this broader kind of frame within a frame, um, it's saying outsiders become insiders, outsiders within Judaism, outsiders like the centurion, uh, the impact. Uh, I'm going to talk about the, the what Jesus' death means in terms of these people now have access, mm-hmm. okay? And mm-hmm. that's that's been in, in spades all the way through Jesus' ministry. That's how Luke talks about salvation, breaking down those barriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, good. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope that uh, you have gleaned something this week. I uh, hope that your Passion Week uh, goes on uh, well. This will be dropping... The week of Passion Week, won't it? Um, yeah, yeah. So, no, it'll be dropping. To, it'll be dropping Saturday, so we got an extra week tomorrow. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, okay. tomorrow. Yeah. So we got one more week. So uh, hope that that uh, hope that you find the road to the cross meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, send us an email, and apparently we've gotten several. So I'm grateful for those of you reaching yes, out. Yes, I
0: need to go back and find ones that might have fallen through the cracks.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, have a great week.
0: Have a great week. As Paul says, no pain, no gain. I
1: don't to, think that was Paul. Yeah. But okay.
0: Might have been Isaiah. Might
1: have All been Isaiah. All right. God,
0: God bless you.